Well, hey there, and welcome to the Saints Church Glory Hills podcast. We're so happy that you joined us today. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, we believe that God will speak to you through one of our pastors today. Let's jump in. Today, we're wrapping up the series, Offended and Not Happy, Part 3, and uh, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible um, in the early parts, but then I realized right after it doesn't get so nice. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, and, uh, or sorry, 15 and 16 says this. It says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. This is what I believe God's purpose for his people and his churches who is the head of the body, his church, and he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. I think that this is God's desire for every local church, for every believer to be a part of, is a place where we can speak the truth in love, where we become more like Jesus, where he will help us grow and work together. Why? So his body is functioning and moving, and it's healthy, It's growing, and it's full of love. Because uh, we need all three of those things. Because you can be healthy and growing, but not loving, and it's like no one wants to be a part of that. You know, it's like Insanity Workout or P90X. Maybe it's healthy and you're growing, but it's torture. I don't want any part of that. We want to be healthy, growing, and full of love. And, uh, you know, we all love love. We want to be healthy and growing. Um... But the interesting thing comes in the next few verses that if you start reading verses 17 to 30, you start seeing, okay, this is God's purpose for the church. He wants us to grow together. He wants us to be loving towards one another. But that means truth has to be involved in love. It has to be done in the right way. And, uh, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm all for this. I'm for becoming more like Jesus. I'm for being healthy. I'm all for growing. I'm all for being a loving person. And then it tells you why. It starts going into things where, uh, you know, uh, Paul starts writing to the Ephesians is like, you know, you need to be healthy and growing full of love. Why? Because you can't live like people who have no sense of shame. You can't live for lustful pleasure anymore. Uh, You can't uh, just hear about Jesus and not change. You got to let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Paul's saying, God wants you to be healthy, growing, and full of love. But guess what? Your sinful nature, the thoughts and attitudes of your heart, they don't lean naturally into that bent. So then he says things like this in verse uh, 25. He says, stop telling lies. He says, don't let the sun go down when you're angry. He says things like, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Start doing good things with your hands for hard work, helping one another. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Oh, my goodness. What if the policy and conditions of Facebook were everything you say must be good and helpful? (laughs) Be boring. Nobody would care. (laughs) Don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. So right after we get told that this is God's purpose of the church, Christ is the head of the church. Christ wants you to speak the truth in love. Christ wants you to be healthy, growing, and full of love. But this is going to take work. Why? Because you lie to one another. You hurt one another. You don't say things that are helpful at times. Sometimes you get into these arguments where it says in one place, don't use foul or abusive language. How we treat one another, speak to one another. 
it says that we don't want to bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way we live because the writer is saying God wants health and growth and love for your life and experiencing all of those things, but you're going to have to work at it because your sinful nature wants the chaos. It wants what it wants. It wants its own desires. It wants to be more right than the person next to you. So sometimes you argue and fight and you say things about other people or you share half-truths. Why? Because you care more about being right than doing the right thing and, and growing together and in a loving way finding a path forward. And so here's the switch. Just as you and I are told that we need to work on us, right? This is what he's doing in uh, verses 16 to 30. He's saying, hey, when you want to grow in Christ, when you want to be healthy, when you want to live in the love of God, you gotta, you got to stop doing some things. you got to realize there's some parts of your nature that you're going to have to discipline, sometimes be into submission, sometimes give them to Jesus over and over again. And then there's a switch that says, and because you know you have to do that, God makes a switch in verse 30. He, it starts talking about us, but then it says, and it's also going to require you to have a grace and forgiveness for others because they're dealing with the same thing you're do, dealing with. Verse 30 says this. Verse 31, sorry. So get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, and harsh words and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. They're saying, hey, you got to get rid of some of these things in your life. Instead, be kind to each other tender-hearted, and here's the kicker, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And when we start talking about things about repentance, forgiveness, reconciliation, when it comes to hurt, offense, let me tell you something. It gets very, very difficult at times because we're all open to the love of God and becoming more like Jesus and have grace for me because we know we have things we need to deal with on the inside and we pray that people have grace for us as we walk through those things. I'm not perfect. I'm growing in Jesus. I'm working on myself. But when someone hurts and offends you and the Bible says forgive them, be kind to them, get rid of that bitterness, rage, that malicious intent because as you are expecting and you know that God has forgiven you and you're working through these things in your life, it's saying you need to switch your mindset and see people a little bit differently because God is working on them as well. And they are going through some of these things. And yes, they have a responsibility to work on these things. But as believers in the body of Christ, when it comes to forgiveness and reconciliation, we have an onus to say, I got to see people differently and learn how to forgive because if I'm not uh, if I'm hoping and praying that people have a grace for me, and I know that God has a grace for me, the Holy Spirit wants to teach in us a grace for other people and a way to see them differently in our lives. And so when we understand that we're imperfect people working out our salvation with fear and trembling, relying on the grace of God, learning to get healthy, learning to grow in the Lord, learning to live in the love of Christ, we have to trust that other people are doing the same. And so when they act out at times, when they do things that are contrary to the new nature they're supposed to have in Christ, especially people who don't have a relationship with Jesus and they do things to us, it hurts us, it offends us, it, it grates on us, we have to be those that see them differently as Christ would see them as someone who needs that same sort of grace, forgiveness, so they can move forward in health and forgiveness, grace and reconciliation. But we're going to talk about some of these things because there are parameters for some of them. 
And when we come to dealing with those hurts, dealing with people, dealing with offenses, dealing with wrongs, uh, we talked about in, in the last couple of weeks where uh, we, we come and we're trying to justify ourselves. Well, how many times should I have to forgive someone? And, and the scripture we go back to often is dealing with right and wrong, where if someone sins against you, you go to them and you try and make it right. And that's for the purpose of reconciliation. We're not talking about let's gather a bunch of people, let's keep talking about how we were more right than someone else. Is this wholesome and is it healthy? Is it trying to lead to a, a, a love and a relationship that brings peace and reconciliation? Is that what we're trying to do? Uh, but the interesting thing about forgiveness, reconciliation, and repentance is we don't always get to control the response of other people, and then God still demands, and he asks that we work it out in our own life. Now, how we do that situation to situation is very different because not every situation is cut and dry and easy and simple to build trust, to reconcile, to move forward in a healthy and godly way. And so what I want us to know today is that I'm probably not going to get super, super deep into any of this because you could preach weeks and full messages on all three of these topics. But I want to briefly touch on, uh, when it comes to dealing with relationships in our life, the need for repentance, the need for forgiveness, and, and the path forward to reconciliation. So the first thing I want you to know this morning is this. Repentance turns us and others to admit wrong and to aim a different direction in our actions and relationships. Let me read that again. Repentance turns us and others to admit wrong and aim a different direction in our actions and relationship. Because what is sin? Sin is missing the mark. When you sin against someone, when you did something that misses the mark of healthy, growing, full of love in the right way, repentance says, okay, I need to come to a place or they need to come to a place where we turn to find a better way to forgive, to reconcile, to admit wrong, and move forward. Why? Because the relationship, the direction it's going right now, it's not in a healthy direction. And repentance means uh, for the things that I've done or the things that they've done, we need to turn this relationship in a different direction so we can move forward to a place that's healthy, growing, and full of love. And I would add particularly... Hopefully, we're turning towards God's way of dealing with these things and righting wrongs and moving forward. But sometimes, we are in situations with people who don't believe the same as us, people who refuse to admit wrong, people who continue on going and don't see their patterns of wrongdoing or abuse or neglect. And yet, still in us, we have to understand and say, God, how do I look at this and how do I deal with this situation? And I think the thing for us is I'm not saying if you were the one being wronged that you should have to be the one repenting. I'm saying a heart of repentance says, God, help me to turn to you even if the other person isn't, so I don't start building up those feelings of malice, bitterness, resentment. And a repentance for us is, God, this is so hard. I need to turn my heart to you. And that first step is saying, God, if I turn to you, I'm trusting you'll show me how to walk through this and deal with this. See, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, this is an interesting scripture. This is on the day of Pentecost. This is how, should we, uh, how can we be saved, right? And now, please understand, don't go on a deep theological journey with this because uh, this is a stretch contextually. I just want to show the idea of repentance is a turning nature. 
You know, where Peter says you need to repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Understanding that you have wronged God, you have lived in sin, your life isn't going the right direction. The first step was you need to repent. You need to turn a different direction. You can't keep doing things the same way and expect a different result. You need to turn to God so he can forgive your sin and you can move forward in a healthy relationship. And so repentance is really this idea that we have to turn our hearts a different direction in our, and our actions a different direction so we can restore and heal some relationships. 2 Chronicles 32, verse 26 is this. Hezekiah, uh, when he had sinned, he, it comes to this, 2 Chronicles yeah, 32, verse 26. It says, he humbled himself and repented of his pride. There are situations and times in life where we realize to move forward in a healthy way, we have to repent before God and sometimes before others that this is the thing that's been hindering me from moving forward in a healthy, growing, loving way. You ever had to repent to your spouse for your hardness of heart, things you said, realize that the issue in you is not the issue in them, and, and we have to sometimes, hey, when we can humble ourselves and say, hey, I am sorry that this area of my character and nature has kept me from moving forward in this with you, now there can be a, we can point a new direction, and through Jesus, we can move forward. And repentance is an important part of dealing with hurt, dealing with offense, and dealing with uh, 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 bitterness and wrongdoing because it actually shows us we can't just keep going the same direction and, and think that everything's going to be fine. Because when we get to forgiveness, we start realizing in some of the things where an apology and asking for forgiveness and repentance are not the same thing. You ever had someone tell you, oh, I'm sorry, and you're like, well... That doesn't mean anything. And honestly, based on different people's love languages, different things mean different things, right? Like some people hear, I'm sorry, and that, they, they want to hear the words. They're like, they're waiting for those words to come. Some people could care less about the words, and they're like, we'll see if this changes. Let's see the action, not the words. And, and repentance really brings us to this place where we need to understand it's time to turn from the way things have been going so we can go a new direction. And, and I don't really want to get into a whole uh, theology of repentance this morning and, and all of those things, but I, I want us to see that when it comes to offense and bitterness and hurt, there is often a measure and a, and a need for repentance. And sometimes we're very quick to look at the other person and say, they need to repent of that, they need to repent of that. When they repent of that, then I'll forgive them, and we're going to get into that. But I think sometimes what we need to do is take an examination of our own heart and say, Lord, help me to repent of what I need to repent of, because sometimes even when we're the one that has been wronged, those feelings of anger, resentment, those things, the things that we've thought in our heart, we've said, we actually need to turn to the Lord so he can fix our heart because if you try to reconcile with a person and you actually haven't repented of your own emotions and feelings that you've been holding you won't you won't associate and work with that person and and move forward with that person in a healthy way because you'll do it out of your own spirit and the feelings that you're carrying not the guidance of the holy spirit that you've said god i'm going to turn to you and surrender these emotions to you so when we do come together i've even in my own heart not held something against them unnecessarily 
I'm soft and I'm open to hearing a path forward. Why? Because Jesus, I've turned to you and I'm trusting you to lead me forward in this situation. In Psalm 51, verse 17, uh, we see this. This sitting is the worst. (laughs) The sacrifice that you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. And, and the psalmist writes this, and he's saying, look, I could, I could do all the grand gestures. Because if you ever looked at the Old Testament, you think the grand, the grand gesture of sacrifice, like that sacrifice, like Solomon, thousands of oxen and bulls and all of that stuff. And those were worship offerings. And that was amazing. But the psalmist here is like, doesn't matter how many sheep, gold, goats, gold, silver, how much I give in this. God, you care less about that. You actually care more about a broken and repentant heart, a heart that says, God, I'm willing to turn and admit I fell short. And and the scripture says God doesn't reject that. And I think sometimes in life that's what we look at in, in, in people and someone's hurt us. And sometimes I think you're looking for a grand gesture and you don't get it. And so you choose to stay offended because they haven't shown you by their actions. Or maybe you've been the person that tries to make the grand gesture and you think that by doing that, it's going to make it right. But actually what goes a long way is a humble and a contrite spirit that says, hey, I'm willing to examine my heart. I'm willing to talk with you. I'm willing to come to a place where we let Jesus work in this situation And I I think more often than not, when we approach people that way, when we try to reconcile that way, it gets a lot more received than some sort of grand gesture because we think, well, we kind of covered it and we made it okay. You know, you can't wrong your spouse and, and hurt and to the point of brokenness and be like, well, I bought you a new car at Christmas. Great. But if there's no heart change, there's no coming together of, here, here's a humility. Here, here's a place that we want to come. And, and one thing I think we need to be very careful of, and, and I think that God is teaching not only me, but I think our, our church is that when people come to us looking for forgiveness and grace, we have to be careful that we see the spirit and the heart that they come in and don't pin them to some sort of expectation that we think we deserve that we forgive as Jesus would forgive when they come in humility and grace and forgiveness, we actually receive that and we release them and we we trust God to do the work that needs to be done. And um, I don't know why I I say things like this sometimes because I I think, I don't know, I I work with people a lot and sometimes you meet people that are, they're just petty and spiteful. They're like, he did this, I'm going to get as much as I can out of this before I forgive them. You need to repent of that heart and attitude because that's not from God. That's not going to bring healing in a relationship. And so, but the enemy would love us to believe that because we were wronged, we deserve something more. But the Holy Spirit says, hey, if we could turn our hearts towards Jesus, if we could live with a heart and attitude of repentance all around, we would be far better off. So Luke chapter 17, verse 3 to 4 says this. So what... Repentance leads us to turning towards Jesus. It says, so watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. And if there is repentance, forgive. So this is not saying like, oh, when people do things that are wrong or they sin and it's blatant, there's a correction that needs to come. Make, make, make no bones about it. The gospel is not, 
oh, just keep forgiving people. No, no, you, you, you address the wrong. You call it what it is. Because if we never call sin or wrongdoing what it is, you can't possibly turn from it. If there's just this blanket, oh, you're forgiven, oh, there's grace, well, they'll keep doing it again and again. You'll perpetuate a cycle of hurt. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day, each time they turn again and ask for forgiveness, you must forgive. So here's the, here's the catch-22. It's like, well, God, what if they do it again? Well, where's their heart? If they come repentant, asking for forgiveness, saying, I want to try this again, I want to move forward, you need to be willing to look at that direction and say, God, how do I walk this out? And, and you know, this idea of repentance and forgiveness, it comes to a place where we have to let them mingle hand in hand and so repentance causes us to turn a different direction in our actions, our attitudes, our heart. Why? So we can move a new direction in our relationships. But let's talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness is where this gets a little bit sticky and a little bit more emotional and a little bit harder for us. Because I've heard it said before, Unless they repent, I'm not going to forgive them. And I think there's a measure of truth that full forgiveness cannot happen without repentance because the person cannot receive it if they don't repent. They cannot receive God's forgiveness the way they need to without a turning. But I think if you're the one on the other side, the wrong, you will lock yourself up in bitterness and hurt when we refuse to release people, to let God deal with them, and we, we hold them in our hearts in unforgiveness, and it binds us up. We actually need to learn in forgiveness to free others to be dealt with by the Lord so it frees us from being chained and locked to that situation or that person or that place forever because God has more for us. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 to 22, it says this. It says, Peter came to him and he asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. You know, and Jesus wouldn't say this, but, you know, my friend uh, would say this, you know, uh, you ask a stupid question, you get a stupid answer. And, and I'm not saying that that's what Jesus is saying, but Jesus is like, Peter, you want to ask me a question when you're going to understand how extravagant my grace and forgiveness is. And, now, and he is, so I'm going to give you an absurd answer that shows you, hey, if you, when you experience grace the way I show you, like this is before Jesus goes to the cross. This is before breakfast on the beach. I think after that, Peter would have never asked this question the same way. Because when you, when you have been forgiven much, you love much, the scripture says. And it changed the way Peter saw how other people could be seen. And Jesus says, no, no, 70 times 7. He goes, uh, if, if their heart is right, if there's an opportunity for you to forgive, you should just keep releasing and forgiving. Why? Because it'll be the best thing for you. It'll be what sets you free. And, and I want you to hear this this morning, that forgiveness isn't a feeling. Let's just be clear about that. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision. It's a decision to set someone free from the expectation of punishment or retaliation you wish would come upon them. Because when we hold unforgiveness, a lot of times the, the reason we're doing that is we're holding unforgiveness because we feel like they haven't paid enough. They haven't begged enough. They haven't suffered enough. And, and, and don't get me wrong. 
I don't blame you because when you're hurt and you experience those emotions and if you experience that pain, there is something a part of human nature that thinks and believes if that person was caused pain, it would mitigate yours and you would feel better. But what we've learned over time in society, inflicting pain because someone caused pain only perpetuates that cycle of hurt and bitterness and rage and malice and malicious behavior towards one another because we just walk around feeling so let down by people, so hurt all the time. And the truth is, is that Jesus wants us to find freedom and he actually wants us to see people differently and believe that people, if they could turn like we turn to Jesus, they could experience something that changes them. Not just puts punishment on punishment because we feel like because I got hurt, you deserve to be hurt. See, we should note that since forgiveness is not a feeling, it won't immediately lead to feelings of joy and peace. Well, that kind of sucks. Jesus, I forgive them. I'm making a decision to forgive them. They haven't even come and said sorry to me. They haven't uh, shown that anything's changed. But Lord, I need to forgive them and I need to release them and I need to trust you to deal in their life because I can't hold on to this. I need to move forward. And because it's a decision you make, it would be so great that when you pray that prayer, you immediately feel joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. And when you see that person, all your feelings are joy and peace. No, they don't immediately come. The enemy will do everything he can to try and bring moments and spaces and time where those feelings come back. And we have to live out of the decision we've made to forgive before the feelings follow. And so we need, still need Jesus' help in all of this. In Isaiah 43, verse 25, it says this. I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and I will never think of them again. The interesting thing with theology of forgiveness in Scripture is when we repent, when we turn to the Lord, when we come to him, he says he removes our sin from us. God's like, he's trying to show us this picture that he's like, I blotted out, and he's this all-knowing, all-powerful God, and we don't have that ability in our human nature to forget everything that's happened to us. But God's showing us, he's like, for my sake, because I want to have a relationship with you and love you, I choose to not hold those things against you. I choose to not remember those things. And when it comes to forgiveness in our lives and dealing with hurt and offense and all the things that we struggle with in humanity, I think we need to learn that we need, three, we need to understand forgiveness in three areas. And uh, in, in his book, Enter Wild, Carlos Whitaker unpacks some of this. Uh, about moving forward in your own relationship with God, but also with people and understanding how, how can I truly walk out a life of freedom? Because really that's what God is after. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And if we can allow his spirit in, we can walk and live in freedom. And it doesn't mean we won't be wronged, we won't be hurt. It doesn't mean we actually won't, like, like I actually think sometimes there are so many Christians that walk around so full of joy and peace and trust in God, and they have every right to be offended, to be bitter, to be mad at people. And they've made those decisions say, Lord, you have more for me. I'm not going to live like that. And it's tough some days, and some days are harder than others. And I really, you know, I'm trying to grow, but I'm trying to learn in my heart. I want to be better at 70 than I am at 40. I don't want to be more bitter and more angry and more frustrated with people at 70 than I am right now. 
So it's constantly a prayer saying, Lord, I need your forgiveness for my attitude at times. I need you to help me forgive people. I need to walk forward by your spirit. Why? Because I want to live in freedom to see people the way God sees people and and, and to grow in how God wants me to grow. But that's not always easy. And I think we need to understand that we need forgiveness for others. The Bible says that in the same measure that you forgive, you will be forgiven. That's an interesting concept right there. Like when you understand the extravagant grace of God and his forgiveness for you, you will start to see people differently. And and the interesting thing is as mad as I can be at someone, I could be like livid. And usually Brandy wouldn't say this to me because she's smarter than me. But the Holy Spirit says it to me. And I could be like spouting off, angry, upset. And every once in a while, the Holy Spirit puts that to him, just like, but think about how much I've forgiven you from. Think about the life you have because I don't hold your sin, your guilt, your shame against you. And it's almost like the Holy Spirit saying, don't you want that for others? Whether they've repented to you or not, don't you want them to have an opportunity at freedom in Jesus to not live under that bondage in their own life? Because when people walk in unforgiveness and when people have hurt and they wrong people and they walk in unrepentance, they actually carry, I hope you know, a burden of just a heaviness that something's not right here. Like, you don't have to, and especially when they try to move forward in a relationship with Jesus, you don't need to hold things against them for them to know that they've done wrong and they don't deserve the grace of God and and they're working on things. I think people, they, they do that to themselves enough. A few weeks ago, I told you a story about uh, the only time I ever really got drunk, right? And I talked about being in high school and going to a Christian friend's grad and getting my parents to pick me up and the grace that was there by, you know, grandma, parents, but there was also, you know, from people. Uh, So here's the thing. I never over the years thought, my gosh, that friend, they wronged me. I ended up in that spot and I I could have become addicted or I could end up in a bad place or derailed my life or ministry. Like, I never once had those thoughts. But you know what the funny thing is? Even though we never spoke of it, in 2015, before we moved to BC, I ended up attending in an in-between season the same church as this friend. We didn't, after high school, this is what happens after high school, you go different directions, you don't always see everyone's, and when I started attending the church, the first thing he tried to do was pull me aside and ask for my forgiveness. I'm like, dude, have you been carrying this weight, like this was your fault for years? I'm like, be released in that. Because I never held it against you, and I made my own decisions. But, you know, sometimes we, we, we look at our lives, and we, we look at the things that people, you know, go through, and, and we don't know the weight it's carrying on their own soul and on their own spirit. And God calls us to forgive. If we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to walk in his grace, we're going to understand who he is, he says, I, I want you to forgive people. It's actually a command. It's not a... It's not a It's not a, if you feel like it's not a maybe, it's a command. Just as I have forgiven you, so you should forgive others. And that gets really difficult because we have learned to believe that if we forgive someone, we now pretend like nothing ever happened and everything's fine and we move on. Right? It's like cute when we make our kids hug and cuddle and make up. 
every once in a while, my teenagers, they're really going at it. I'm like, I'm like, I'm just going to make this real awkward for you. Now you guys need to hug. You apologize. You're going to hug. You're going to hug longer till mom's satisfied. And they hate that. <laughs> and that's the thing. You know, you, you, you start talking with, you, you start talking with young adult versions of yourself. Well, they have in this and that. And you're like, oh my gosh. I see things that I wish I was better at in my life. And you're trying, you're, you're trying to parent through these things. And, and the reality is you have to come back to these moments where you say forgiveness is going to help you move forward with Jesus, but it doesn't actually make the wrong go away. It doesn't actually change how you feel in the moment. And that's why we got to get to reconciliation. And, and what is a path for reconciliation? Because these are important things. Because sometimes you get repentance and you don't get forgiveness. And that's tough. Because when you repent, now you have to trust that the Lord has forgiven you, even if that person doesn't forgive you. And that's between them and the Lord, and you need to leave that with the Lord. That's a tough place to be. Sometimes you release forgiveness, and that person never comes to you, and they don't repent. And it's very hard to reconcile in those situations. Because there will always be a roadblock between your hearts because of something. And, and, and you need to learn to live before the Lord with a soft heart saying, God, I want to live in freedom. And Lord, I pray that they find freedom one day. And God, when they say that they've repented to you and find freedom, I'm not going to hold them to anything. I release them to that. But reconciliation has to come over time. But forgiveness, we realize that we need forgiveness for others at times in our lives. But we need forgiveness for us at times in our lives. And when we remember how much we need forgiveness for us, it really changes the way we see other people. And, and, and when we understand the grace of God and we understand the forgiveness of God, we, we have to uh, let that sink in and actually change the way we treat other people. But often I think we think we're asking God for forgiveness when what really needs to happen is repentance. Some of us stand before the Lord and we say, Lord, I'm so sorry, I'll never, I'll never do it again. Oh, I'm sorry. But then we do nothing to change. We don't turn a different way. We don't change our actions. We don't work on our attitude on our hearts. And sometimes we're saying, why do I still feel distance from God? Because you're, you're saying, oh, sorry, God, sorry, God. But you actually don't have a heart to say, Lord, show me how to turn and do this differently. And some of those situations, when you're looking for that forgiveness, you actually need repentance so you can receive the full forgiveness of God. God loves you. He doesn't want to hold your sin against you. He forgives you. But when there's an unrepentant heart, that relationship is blocked because you keep doing the things that hurt your relationship with God. But when there's repentance and you receive full forgiveness, there is a power of transformation and freedom to change the things that you're doing so you can walk a different way. And so we need to learn forgiveness for others. We need to have for forgiveness uh, for us, from God, from other people. And so sometimes, even in dealing with people, like, I love when I tell my kids, they, my kids, are, they're probably going to be rich. They're going to cash in at Christmas, say, Dad, you keep mentioning us in sermons. We had like an extra $100 this Christmas because of that. But, hey, you need to go apologize. Fine, I'm sorry. <laughs> Eyes rolling, not even looking at the person. They probably get that from me. But to, to sit in a place... Or you say, this is what I'm sorry for, and I'm not going to do this to you again. That's a whole different level of being able to release and forgive and reconcile 
when you work in relationship. Because that's the thing. You, you know people that you're in relationship with. And when they've hurt and wronged you, you know whether something's genuine or not. Can you have a conversation about it? Or are they just saying words to hope you go away? Because in Canadian culture, sorry flies out of our mouth every five seconds. And it really means nothing anymore. And so we need to find forgiveness. Uh, we need to learn how to forgive others, and, and we need to find forgiveness for us at times, but that actually sometimes is maybe more repentance, and I would challenge you when you're, when you're dealing with things with you and the Lord, say, Lord, do I just need forgiveness for this, or do I actually need to repent of some things, and do I need to change some things in my heart, my attitude, my walk, so I can fully experience the power of forgiveness? it's not like God's holding your sin against you, but there is a power and a freedom that comes when you actually repent and take the fullness of that on. But one of the hardest areas of forgiveness, and I'm going to call the band back up, for us is forgiving ourselves. And I think this stops a lot of people from actually walking out the freedom that they're meant to have. Because often we have a hard time forgiving and releasing people or dealing with the things that we need to deal with in our lives, either between us and someone else or us and the Lord, because we actually don't believe that it's real or it's powerful enough because we've refused to forgive ourselves. And we hear it all the time, the Lord loves you. You repent, you turn to him, he forgives you. He wants to set you free. He wants you to set other people free. He wants you to learn how to forgive them. He wants you to learn how to speak the truth in love so you can move forward being healthy, growing, and full of love. But sometimes your biggest roadblock is, God, I hear it all the time that you love me and forgive me, but I don't know if I can forgive myself. And we, we put ourselves in a place where I won't go there, I won't do this, I won't try that because the Lord's not holding something against us. Maybe even the person you wronged isn't holding something against you, but you've held it against you for so long. And can I just say if that's you this morning, I've really challenged you to take some time this week and just trust the Lord and say, Lord, help me to believe what your word says, that your grace is sufficient for me, that I can let this go, that I can release myself from this thing holding me captive because God you don't hold it against me that scripture we read about I blot out your sins he says for my sake it's not God saying repent repent so you can be in relationship with me he goes no no I blot out your forgiveness because I want to be in relationship with you and I can't if I'm always seeing you in this light of your past and some of you need to learn to forgive yourself so where does that leave us with reconciliation? Well, it leaves us here. Oh my gosh, this went way too long. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 15 to 21 says this. I'm going to read this really, really quick. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they'll live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. This is important. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. 
all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Learning to see people differently from a heavenly point of view really challenges us to see every single person in their sin, in their brokenness, in their shame as someone who can be received by God, forgiven by Jesus, set free from where they are, and brought into a call and a purpose and relationship with Jesus the same way we have been. And what reconciliation does is it rebuilds relationship as you can walk together in trust and boundaries to restore what was lost. That's, that's the key to reconciliation. It's learning to say, both parties, we're gonna repent, we're gonna turn to God's way of dealing with this. We're gonna let forgiveness bring freedom, but reconciliation means we're gonna learn how to walk together in a forward relationship in trust and boundaries to restore what was lost. And can I tell you something about trust and boundaries? Trust is earned and built. It does not need to be given the minute you forgive somebody. You can release them from the hurt. You can release them from the thing that they've done so they can deal with the Lord and the Lord can deal with your heart. But if you are going to reconcile, trust is earned and built. Dr. Henry Cloud says forgiveness has to deal with a past action. If the abuse and the thing is ongoing, present right now, you cannot forgive the person until you get out of the situation or you make it a past thing. Because if you're constantly in it and you're saying, oh, I forgive you, I forgive you, you're perpetuating a cycle when there's no repentance and it's very hard to reconcile. You actually just lead yourself down a path of continued hurt and abuse. And God doesn't want you to live that way. So there are moments where you need to say to people, I forgive you, but I will be pulling away from you because I don't think you even understand what you did to hurt me. We haven't hit a path of repentance to move forward in reconciliation. I need boundaries in this. And when the opportunity comes, perhaps with good guidance and counsel and boundaries, reconciliation can happen. And I wish to believe that it could always happen, but sometimes it doesn't. But I would say this, the goal and heart of God is reconciliation. But when reconciliation cannot happen because of a lack of repentance or a hardness of heart, what we really need to do is keep turning to our Heavenly Father and saying, Lord, help me guard my heart. Because reconciliation, when it can happen, is a very beautiful and powerful thing. But there are situations and there are instances where it cannot happen, and that's for a various amount of reasons. And this is why these things are so hard to talk through and talk about, because when we preach on them, you can't just, you can't broad brush and be like, well, you should repent, you should forgive, and you should reconcile. So sometimes there's a whole lot of things that have to happen before there can be trust, health, love, truth. All of those things have to come together. And I would say this, 
in situations where reconciliation is not possible because in a room this size, I believe there are people here that you face probably some abuse issues or hurt or pains or things that probably can never be restored rightfully so. I would challenge you to release and forgive to the power you can by the grace of God and keep turning to him and turn your heart towards him because when reconciliation is not possible, the thing the enemy is gonna keep trying to do in your life with a, a, a sense of a victim mentality and I'm saying you, you were victimized, you were wronged but God doesn't want you to live that way he wants you to live in healing and restoration based on your identity in Jesus and who you were called to be and if that person never repents if they never say they're sorry you can still live in freedom but I am not saying you should trust them and let them in your life sometimes they come to Jesus and for the sake of your relationship with God or your family and things, you got to trust Jesus with that and be open to hearing the Holy Spirit. But this is how we need to end this series. We can be offended. We can be not happy. We can be hurt. We can be frustrated. And we will be at times. Because we are sinful, imperfect people saved by grace, trying to become more like Jesus, trying to be healthy, trying to grow, trying to be full of love. And that means we got to correct some things sometimes. That means sometimes we need to repent. Sometimes we need to find forgiveness for people when they haven't asked for it yet. Sometimes that means we got to repent before God and receive his forgiveness in a way that we can walk in freedom. Sometimes we need to take the steps of reconciliation. And it's hard because nobody wants to be the first person to say they're sorry. But when you can have a heart that says, God, I'm going to turn to you and I'm going to ask for forgiveness for my part so I can possibly move forward in reconciliation. Who knows what God can do? And I think of Peter. Preaches the first message on the day of Pentecost and he has to preach this message, repent and turn to God. Who six weeks earlier, something like that, denies Jesus three times. Man, if I was Peter, maybe I'm just too emotional, but if I was Peter, even after breakfast on the beach where Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Jesus is saying, your calling hasn't changed. Peter, I've forgiven you. Peter, if you're turning back to me, I've forgiven you. You can walk with me. If I was Peter, I would be questioning, should I be the person to get up and preach this first message? Maybe John should do it. Maybe even Thomas should do it. I, I know Thomas doubted, but he never denied Jesus. And we put everyone else there. And, and, and I think of Peter and how much grace he must have had to experience to truly believe that Jesus has forgiven me. My past is in my past. I can move forward in the ways of God, in the truth of God, in the fullness of God for my life. Why? Because it's not me doing it. It's Jesus through. And I just want to challenge us as a church with this. In his book, Lead Like a Shepherd, Larry Osborne wrote this. Some of us are looking for people to prove themselves and we hold their sins and shortcomings against them for so long, they will never be able to step into their full calling. Because we haven't fully forgiven, we haven't fully released, we haven't seen them the way God sees them as called, ordained, as valuable. We see their past, we see the hurt, we see the sin. 
And there's a chapter in that book where he goes on to talk about all the disciples and he's thought, if Jesus held those things against his disciples, none of them would have ever went into ministry. And he just said, I'm not saying we don't have church discipline and we don't deal with things. He says, we do. But he says, we got to stop holding things against each other for so long that it hinders the forward movement of the kingdom of God. Because it damages people and it actually hinders and stops the fruitfulness that God wants to have. And the enemy loves that. But why don't we stand this morning? And I would say this. We don't want to let our lives, let our future, the future of this region, the people who need to know Jesus, to be slowed down or stopped up because we're holding on to things in our own heart. And I think we're just going to sing the chorus of this song, Your Name. And I would just challenge you to release to God in this moment, three more minutes, that Jesus, your name is bigger than all of this stuff that I've been dealing with, holding on to. And just let your heart be soft and say, Jesus, how can I turn to you so I walk this out to find freedom and the strength that you have for me? Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or are looking to get connected in any further way, head to saintschurch.ca and we would love to meet you.